Daniel Hammer is the CEO for the historic New Orleans collection. They put a T in front of it a lot, but I, I, I think of it, and most of us do, I think as historic New Orleans collection, HNOC. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, this is a very uh, robust, important, and enjoyable institution that I think for many people is a little bit of a mystery because it kind of has um, more than one function that are um, very much intertwined and related, but not necessarily obvious. And one is archiving the city of New Orleans, nothing less, and at the same time, exhibiting things about us, both current and historical. And that's kind of a big menu right there. Didn't only took me a few seconds to say it, but it's taken a long time to build it. And um, it, it really is it's an exciting, I think extremely enjoyable um, in its exhibition spaces and very, very important in terms of really collecting both documents and recordings of people to tell our story. So, um, with that kind of very brief uh, introduction, Daniel, uh, I also want to point out to everybody that we're going to talk in part about an exhibition that just opened that I have a personal relationship with because I like to be transparent. And it's my husband, the artist, Robert Channon, who has a, a beautiful ex exhibition. His work is beautiful, but the, ex the exhibit of it by the HNOC is nothing short of spectacular. And it works on many different levels again, too. So um, why don't we start with um, what overall HNOC um, does and what at the moment is kind of uh, an important part of your focus? Oh, well, first of all, thank you, Jean. Uh, thank you for having me. And thank you for that really wonderful summary ability. So you ask what is important to us right now. Um, you know, ultimately the most important thing to us right now is raising, is, is, is engagement, is raising awareness for what we are responsible for, for what we have um, in order to, um, to make it impact on the community greater. And so, you know, we, um, we do that in lots of different ways and certainly our museum exhibitions, our book publications and our research access, those are the three main ways that we do that. So it doesn't hurt, of course, in terms of accessibility that you can't be too much more accessible than being plunk in the middle of Royal Street Oh. And literally right next door to the ever popular Royal Orleans Hotel and just across the way from Antoine's and um, the courthouse and, and Brennan's and you're, you're just right there in the middle of the swim of things and, and I have noticed at times that I've been there that um, you have a substantial traffic of people who literally just walk in off the street. I call that accessible. And then um, I think on the other hand, uh, with with the expansion of your space, uh, so that now you're on both sides of the street, and uh, the new space is really um, quite uh, significant in in and what it uh, offers you in terms of the courtyard and and your shop and your cafe and your exhibition space is remarkable. Um, I think also the exhibitions that you do 
are obviously driven to do exactly what you just said, be relevant to people. So uh, right this minute, um, for example, I, I think it's still up, but you have this um, uh, display uh, uh, about the streetcar um, named Desire, if that is the best way to, to express uh, that exhibition. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, Bob Tannen's Jackson Square, but um, it, it's, you're, you're, it's, 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 I feel like you're highly accessible. Now, from the, from the standpoint of people understanding your program, um, and and uh, and your reach and and sort of that way that you balance your the collection collecting of materials and I've actually done an oral history with you I don't know if you know that but Bob Tannen and I both did an yes. oral history and I, oh. I treasure the oral histories of people of all types in the city because again that gives you snapshots of um, who we are on a very personal level, and it, it's 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 very important. But I was sitting in a space with a whole wall of photographs by Mike Smith of musicians um, at the uh, um, of New Orleans. I think I suspect many of those pictures were taken at Jazz Fest, but not necessarily. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that is just such a huge statement on that one wall about all of the talent. And, and the richness of our culture um, about the photographer's work in and of itself, but all those musicians. And so that was yet just another um, piece of the, of the, the puzzle of, of, the his, of, of the Historic New Orleans collection that uh, wowed me, frankly. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Jean. Well, I'll say uh, you are not alone in feeling that our shop is excellent. And in fact, we were recently named one of the 16 best museum shops in the United States. Oh my goodness. By, um, by, um, by a shop organization. And we're very proud to be among some very prestigious and well-known uh, major museums. Our uh, team over there do a really great job of coming up with products for sale that reflect our collections uh, and also that reflect the changing exhibitions that we do. And so we do from time to time um, special things in conjunction with the temporary exhibitions that we have on display. So for example, with uh, the Bob Tannen exhibition, we'll be selling some jewelry and, and things that, 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 uh, that Bob Tannen created. And so that's very excited to be able to do that. Uh, in, we did a wonderful exhibition about the history of social aid and pleasure clubs in New Orleans uh, last year. And in conjunction uh, with that, we uh, were able to, um, to sell uh, you know, uh, books and photographs relating to the, those organizations uh, in conjunction with our Making Mardi Gras exhibition that we did earlier this year. We were able to uh, work with some um, current day Mardi Gras Indians to, um, to, sit, to, to, um, to, to stock um, creations of theirs uh, that we could sell uh, in the shop. So from, from, from time to, oh, and for Mardi Gras, we, did, we were a king cake hub uh, uh, during Mardi Gras uh, in last year, or this year, sorry, where we sold king cakes and we sold uh, you know, probably oh like 2,500 king cakes out of our shop what? <laughs> uh, during the carnival season. So, um, you know, it's really uh, a creative 
uh, team that we have that's always bringing in new things. We work a lot with local artists. So we have a number of, um, of uh, local uh, artists whose work is available through our shop. And uh, it's it's wonderful. Yes, that's the Dancing in the Street exhibition. That's I just bought it. I mean, I, I, as I said, I can't walk in your shop yes, without yes. walking out with something. And yes. uh, I'm very so excited. we're proud. Of, we're proud of the shop. Absolutely. Um, the um, the you mentioned the uh, um, Street Square Designer exhibition. Yeah. The uh, which we did to celebrate 75 years uh, of Streetcar Named Desire, 75 years since its premiere on Broadway. And that exhibition actually just closed, but it was a wonderful exhibition featuring incredible objects from our collection, such as the typewriter that Tennessee Williams used to write the first draft of Streetcar, uh, the desk that he sat at while doing so, uh, a lot of original correspondence of his, uh, original type uh, script versions of the play, of the, of the film script with Aaliyah Kazan's uh, marginalia in the note, notes and in, in the margins, uh, as well as some really cool things that we borrowed from other places like um, Vivian Lee's Oscar for Best Actress borrowed from the Victorian Albert Museum in, in, in London and, and some really wonderful things. So that was an excellent um, exhibition uh, but we've we've taken it down and we'll be installing in that same space a really exciting exhibit about Spanish New Orleans and the Caribbean, which will be opening in um, in October. So that's a, a major exhibition that we've been planning uh, for a long time. It was originally actually going to be a, it was a, it was delayed because of the pandemic. And so it is a, a borrowing lots of artifacts from collections in Spain and in Mexico and, and around the United States. Um, and it will be a very special exhibition. Uh, but currently on view, we have Bob Tannen's uh, Jackson Square, which is a, um, uh, uh, an artwork uh, that we were very fortunate to be able to acquire um, just basic, just early on in the pandemic, um, thanks to the generosity of uh, David Workman, who uh, is a local uh, art collector and who uh, wanted for this important work by Bob Tannen to be available to the public through, through our museum. And so we were very honored by his generosity and very pleased uh, to be able to, to bring this really cool artwork into our collection. And so the display is, um, I think people will really enjoy it. it uh, I know that, um, that Bob has expressed that he thinks it's a, a really a successful installation of the artwork. And, it's more than uh, successful, Daniel. It is literally beautiful. It, it's, I mean, I, I spend quite a bit of time in various art exhibitions in, in institutions here and elsewhere. And uh, when I walked in the room where this piece is um, displayed, I was, I, I really was blown away. It was just so beautiful. And um, I'm going to let you describe it a little bit more, but one of my favorite parts of it is the whole wall of, of uh, an opportunity for people to put their little um, uh, paste, what do you call them again? Post-it notes. 
Yeah, up on the wall with their comments on the piece. Yeah. I've never seen that in a museum before. And I thought that was just such a great way to talk about engaging people. Right. Um, there's nothing more uh, engaging than asking somebody to commit their thoughts and, and, and include it in some way. I don't know what you're going to do with all of those, but it's really, I just love that. Well, you know, I think we were directed thousands by, up there already. It's quite, it's quite, uh, it's quite a lot now. Yes, and it's great. You know, we were directed really by the artwork to do something like that because it's an engaging artwork. You know, uh, it was designed. At, I mean, I'm telling you this, of course, you know, but uh, for the sake of your audience, it was designed with the with a movable, movable Andrew Jackson statue. So it was kind of, a, um, I think, my understanding of it is that it was. Um, it was envisioned, it was designed with the intent of engaging the viewer with the question of how could this possibly be conceived in a different way? How could this, how could this historic urban space be different? How could it be changed? And so the idea I think comes from there that we would create of this display an opportunity to engage the visitor with the question of you know, what makes a public space, an urban space engaging? You know, what, what, is a, what, what are the qualities that you think are important in a, in a, in a great urban space? Um, what tell us about a great urban space that you love? You know, this is Jackson Square, our great, our great city space in this city. What's the space that you you know, think is important. And I think, you know, we always try to imagine our visitors and a lot of our visitors, of course, come from other places, but a lot of our visitors come from New Orleans and a lot of those post-it notes in, in answer to that question are about other spaces in New Orleans, which is, I think is, is interesting because you end up through the question, through the combination of the display of the artwork and the posing of the question, you end up engaging people with this act of comparison, you know, between, for example, uh, the park in their neighborhood and 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 and, and Jackson Square, um, you know. So I think it's an interesting, um, interesting um, uh, experience for for people to have. The other thing I want to say, Gene, about the installation, which I think is important, is of course that it's in the French Quarter. So I think part of what makes it such an engaging display is that it's in this beautiful gallery space overlooking on the courtyard of this historic French Quarter building connected uh, directly to our continuing exhibition about the French Quarter itself. So a visitor can, uh, you know, uh, either uh, go through our exhibition about the French Quarter as a historic urban space uh, and end up coming into the Bob Tannen exhibition, Jackson Square, or they can do it the other way around. They can start off and go to see the Jackson Square installation and then from there enter the French Quarter exhibit. But either way, I think part of what makes it a, a great installation is its proximity to the, uh, this location within the French Quarter itself and proximity to this kind of uh, in-depth investigation of the history of people and, and culture in the French Quarter. But I think what it also does um, is, again, uh, kind of 
make the viewer think about why a place is so important to them. And I think one of the things that we in New Orleans in particular um, really think about and talk about a lot is our, our sense of the importance of place. We wouldn't be here in New Orleans, which is very threatened on a lot of levels environmentally, um, if we didn't really care about this place. And so you look at the sculptures, which are a sort of minimal version of the more detailed um, real Jackson Square, and it, it, it makes you think about um, what, what is it that actually makes a place so important to us in, in our conscience, in our, um, uh, yeah, that has such an emotional value, not just oh, isn't it nice to be sitting here having a poor boy on a bench in Jackson Square, which I have done, um, or walk up on the, uh, on the levee and, and look back on it. It's, it's quite, it's just such an elegant, um, and there's, there's something about that spacious moment in the middle of a dense um, accumulation of architecture in the French Quarter. It's also really tight. Um, and, and then suddenly you're in this very open space that was at one time, had, has had many different uses. And one of the interesting things about it for us is, believe it or not, we both just learned about the Native American history of it as a place called Bulbansha, which interestingly means land of many tongues. And if we don't think of New Orleans as a place of many tongues, we, we usually use the metaphor of gumbo. Um, but that's that's how we think of the city as always having been very complicated and layered and, and rich in, in the mix of cultures that are here. So um, I think when you get pulled into that sort of that um, minimalization of the space, uh, it really challenges you to understand what it is about that that uh, is so appealing. But um, I, I think also, um, that courtyard is, has, has quite an impact. Talk about a place. When you walk into that courtyard, and I'm gonna tell you a little personal history I have with it, but it, 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 it really teases you to think about what was going on in that space historically. And as I understand it, one of the things that happened there, which really is an undergirding for what you are doing there in the, in the sense of your art exhibitions that you do, um, is is uh, presenting art. It was a, it was an art facility. Um, and I don't know what else it was. I know it was other things as well. You can you can inform me on that. But there, it definitely immediately hits you. Oh, this feels like it. It has a lot of history. This is kind of an important place for me personally. When I first came to the city, I did political work in 1972 and in 1973. In that courtyard, I interviewed for a job with WDSU, which used to inhabit those bu the buildings there. And um, I looked around and said, oh yeah, I think I'm coming here. I mean, literally it was that, I mean, I, the, the guy who interviewed me offered me a job in Chicago. In the television news world, Chicago is a few steps up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And um, but I have this emotional connection that I made in that courtyard about this place, and as it sort of related to the whole city, um, yeah. that was very powerful. So I don't know, maybe I'm overdoing it, but I have to say that it, it's an impressive 
And it's, a, it's an intriguing space that you definitely stop in that courtyard and look at. Tell me about that, because that yeah. just got redone recently, right? Yes. Well, it's a very poetic space with lots of meanings. Absolutely. So this, it, first of all, yes, we, we opened this facility in 2019 after uh, uh, about a five-year project to, um, to renovate uh, the building and um, create an exhibition center there. So the, the facility serves as our main exhibition center. It's full square footage is about 38,000 square feet, you know, that about uh, uh, 16 or 18,000 of that is, is public space. The rest of it is, um, you know, space for, you know, loading and unloading and, 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 and service, if you will. Um, there's not much at all in the way of office space in the building, Very some office space for our, uh, our, our public facing staff, but um, for the most part, it's, uh, it's space for our, our exhibition program and, and programming. Um, it is um, on Royal Street, the address is 520 Royal Street, and the building that faces Royal Street was uh, built originally in 1816, by a Frenchman named Francois Signoret, who was a uh, importer and uh, became quite known for uh, selling furniture and is actually mm -hmm. well known as a furniture purveyor. Very um, elegant uh, furniture. Yes. Um, he, um, he purchased the, the lot in 1815. And from that uh, description of purchase, we know that there was uh, that there's so there's a if you go into the courtyard you have the you know you go through a, a carriageway which is in the center of the of the 1816 building and you come into the courtyard and on your right is a structure and on your left is a structure uh, the structure on your right we know from that active sale uh, predates Francois Signoret's purchase of of the property in 1815 so it is uh from uh no is it was built no no later than 1815 and, and no earlier than 1794 when we know that property burned in the fire of that year so that's a you know that's the oldest portion of the of the property the oldest structure and it dates to you know circa 1800 we're not certain of its exact date on the left as you face the rear of the property is um is a is an addition to the original building that was created in oh, 1822. So it's it's a little bit later than that front building. Mm -hmm. And then the rear property, the rear of the courtyard is a new construction facility that we built um, uh, to house our major museum exhibition galleries. And that portion of the property from that from the lot from the facade of that rear wall back is um, where WDSU had his television studio space. And that's all, that was all constructed in 1960 approximately and was uh, non-contributing uh, historically. Um, now, the building that was there. Oh, I think we had a little bit of history there, Dan. Yes, well, no, no, I mean, non-contributing is a term of art. The building that was there when we, um, began work uh, was uh, structurally um, uns unsalvageable mm -hmm. and had to be uh, demolished. And wow. so what it looked like 
was uh, it was a brick facade building that looked very much looked just like a building that was built in around 1918 to 1920 by the previous owner of the property, who was an important guy named William Ratcliffe Irby. So. In 1916, William Ratcliffe Irby, boy, I'm really going into it here, aren't I? You have to forgive me all this. William Ratcliffe Irby purchased this property and he, he Irby was a very important um, preservationist in the first quarter of the 20th century. He was the person who donated the Pontalba buildings to the, the oh, upper, wow. the lower Pontalba building to the state of Louisiana. He financed uh, major uh, uh, rest, preservation, uh, restoration projects around Jackson Square um, to the buildings there, the historic buildings there, and also in the 600 block of Royal Street. He was a very important figure in the preservation movement of that time period, a movement that our founders, the Williamses, um, were part of, although they were a little bit younger than him and came a little bit later in that same generation. They purchased our original buildings in 1938. So by that time, Irby was actually already died, uh, already dead. Um, but uh, Irby purchased the, uh, the Signore Brulatore building at 520 Royal Street, and he created of it a luxury apartment for himself upstairs and renovated the rest of the building to become the home of the Arts and Crafts Club of New Orleans, which is what you were talking about before. So this was a place where uh, some of the most important artists of New Orleans at that time uh, 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 sold artwork, taught art lessons, and and um, basically centered their art activities uh, and, and and displayed art uh, in in exhibition. So, um, so let me just ask you something about that. So, yeah. to what extent did that use uh, as the um, arts and crafts building, uh, arts and crafts center, Club, um, yeah. influence your um, programming of the space to include arts exhibitions? Or was that something that was always a, a part of the thinking of what um, the HNOC should do? Well, we, I mean, the, I'm gonna get there. <laughs> it's complicated. First of all, the confluence of these two things in this building that Irby brought together, the preservation efforts of a wealthy individual and the artistic engagement with the French Quarter of artists. Um, these were kind of the two major forces at play in the preservation movement of the first half of the 20th century in the French Quarter. You had, you had a number of important individuals who working in concert with one another were buying buildings in the French Quarter living in them, making them luxurious, seeking to raise among their peer group uh, appreciation for the beauty of the French Quarter as a, a, for the importance of the French Quarter as a place of beauty and history. At the same time, you had artists and bohemians and writers who were living in the French Quarter, who were loving the French Quarter, who were making art about the French Quarter. There were William Faulkner and Sherwood Anderson were writing about it. Um, uh, Alberta Kinsey and uh, the Woodward brothers and 
um, and, and other artists were, 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 were creating images of it. Pops Weitzel was photographing it, all of these things. And so these two, these two important groups came together, thanks to Irby, at 520 Royal Street in the form of the Arts and Crafts Club of New Orleans. And out of that combination grew this preservation movement that really led to the creation of the French Quarter as the center of quote unquote, America's most interesting city. So when, by the time you get to the 1950s, in the 1960s, you begin to see this very fully developed picture of the French Quarter being embraced by the masses, being circulated around the world through artwork, uh, commercial artwork, and you begin to see the birth of the, the tourism industry. So you really have oh, the direct, so you know, trajectory. I really never made that connection. Yeah, from you know Bohemia, Bohemian activity, and and relatively small small social circle pr preservation activity into this large scale awareness raising initiative that developed into a full fledged, fully preserved and intact French Quarter. Now. Today we have our, you know, we reap the rewards of that in various ways, including our tourism industry, which of course uh, creates threats to the preservation of the historic character of the French Quarter as well. And so, you know, over time, it's become a very complicated thing. And so our connection to this site in terms of our mission is, I would say, uh, more complex than than inheriting the 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 work of the Arts and Crafts Club of New Orleans to display artwork. It includes that, but it also um, it extends further to the larger project of creating of the French Quarter something that brings value to the people of New Orleans through its historic and cultural importance. And that's our ultimate. That's our ultimate. Um, that, that's so fascinating, but it really uh, forces me to have to ask a tough question, which um, my show is not a tough question kind of show, but um, <laughs> it's hard not to uh, come to this. So there's a lot of people in the city right now who are decrying the condition of the French Quarter and, um, and feel that the pressure of tourism now in the French Quarter is too great and, um, I can tell you that I'm actually uh, engaged myself in an initiative to try to um, move, not, not to abandon, but to just um, help uh, visitors and residents explore um, the cultural opportunities and neighborhoods throughout the city as a way of taking some of the pressure off not only the French Quarter, but even into the uh, Central Business District and even into the Marigny. So, um, you know, I, I'm of the school, I'm trying to uh, address this battle between neighborhoods and uh, live musicians that should be more of a hand and glove initiative to look at how we um, really do uh, encourage the presentation of culture throughout the city in a way that both brings people to other neighborhoods, but also um, does no harm. So gets it out of residents' backyards. And I'm a backyard that happens to be in between um, some noisy spots. 
and, um, and, and bring it to locations that uh, would benefit a neighborhood and um, better, benefit uh, cultural presenters. So um, I, I'm very conscious of, of this. And, and I've heard people say pretty ugly things about uh, the French Quarter and also about the, uh, the politicos who they um, blame, uh, I, I think unfairly, for um, a byproduct of the tourism. Tell me, uh, and, and we don't have a lot of, uh, we're out of actually past our time limit right this very minute, but tell me um, in, in, a, in a kind of shorthand, how you feel, you must be really involved in this question, um, uh, the HNOC. So how are you all looking at that um, in, a, in a kind of soundbite <laughs> approach at the moment uh, to uh, try to um, help the French Quarter survive and to maintain that preservation and art uh, mission that that uh, that confluence uh, going forward. Uh, yes, the um, the future, the the uh, the the positive future of the French Quarter lies in our ability to um, to increase the extent to which its history and culture is the predominant thing that more of its visitors associate with it. So the French Quarter, the conventional wisdom is, is that basically everyone who visits New Orleans visits the French Quarter. And so that's millions and millions and millions of people a year. It's, it's, on the, it's at the top tier of worldwide tourist destinations. And so we need to understand that in order to retain the historic identity of the French Quarter and create a French Quarter that has a sustainable historic identity. So currently the French Quarter's historic identity is deteriorating over time as its touristical uses wear away at it. And so we need to, we need to reduce that wear by creating more engagement with history and culture for more of the people who visit the French Quarter. And over time, if we're successful with this, it will allow the French Quarter to retain value for the local population, no matter what, pursuant to what I was talking about before, in terms of creating opportunities for people to understand for themselves why our collections, why the French Quarter is important to them. Because I think it's certainly the case that the French Quarter is a very important part of the New Orleans future as a historic place, if that is what it's gonna be. It's not that history isn't present everywhere else around New Orleans, it is, and I fully agree with you that there's important, it's important to increase the extent to which our visitors engage with history and culture beyond the French Quarter. But we also need to recognize that if we don't continue to expand the extent to which history and culture define the French Quarter, that we'll lose the French Quarter as a place of history and culture, and that that would have really negative repercussions on our ability to, to, um, to maintain a sustainable tourist driven economy um, because, of some, because of what it is that people 
value as as people who spend money and who and who come to New Orleans. And so the point isn't to serve the tourists, it's rather to create of our tourism industry something that really serves the city. And I think that French Quarter is a critical part of that and that the route to success is through increasing engagement with history and culture for more of our visitors. We'll never capture everybody. We'll never make every single visitor to the French Quarter a scholar of history, but that isn't necessary. It's also not necessary to make every single visitor come into our museum in order to succeed in engaging them with history and culture. There's lots of cultural engagement opportunities in the French Quarter. And uh, beyond that, there's lots of ways that we as an individual museum can engage people without actually bringing them into our galleries through, you know, um, mobile, through their mobile devices and through other forms of engagement. And so, I mean, what we see as being our our focus in this area is really how can we layer engagement with history and culture onto the French Quarter experience for more and more people? Because if we're able to succeed in doing that, it will uplift the French Quarter for the for the local for New Orleans. And um, the other thing I'll say about this is that you know imagine if we can succeed. And, you know, so if there's 15 million visitors a year to the French Quarter, which is a low estimate, uh, imagine if we could get 5% of those people to think of themselves as people who are engaging with museum activities while they're in the French Quarter. That would mean more people engage with museum activities in the French Quarter on an annual basis than at the National World War II Museum, which is the country's number one visited museum. And so... Really? You know, we're, yes. So we're not that far away from up from through through creating more engagement with history and culture via museums in particular in the French Quarter. We can we can actually create of New Orleans a destination for museum going and cultural engagement that would be, you know, uh, beyond comparison really with anything else in the country or with little else in the country because we also have such assets like the World War II Museum, like the Ogden Museum, like NOMA, like the Children's Museum and the Sculpture Garden. All of these things can work in concert together to really create an incredible cultural destination of New Orleans. Uh, and that's just the museum sector. We're not even talking about all the other stuff, but we have to fix the French Quarter first because the French Quarter has to be part of it because it's right in the middle of all of it. And so I think that what we're focused on as an institution uh, in an institution with resources is doing our part to really uh, move the needle on this. I, I can't top all that. Uh, in addition to which we're about, um, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes over <laughs> my time frame. So I'm going to have to figure out sure. how to work with that. But it's been really interesting. And uh, I've learned a lot from this conversation. And I hope that um, my listeners um, appreciate how uh, important this mission is. I think we all regard um, our French Quarter as very important. And I say our, because I think we all feel yes. um, a, a certain kind of ownership and, and um, caring uh, for it. And, and that's why people get kind of angry about um, things that they uh, don't like uh, about its development. But um, Daniel Hammer, thank you so much for what you're doing. 
Um, thank you for that mission that you've just described. It's, it's, it really is uh, just incredibly important. And um, I look forward to tracking what you're doing. And please make sure that your folks always keep me up to date on what's going on, the latest exhibitions or collections or projects. And uh, we'll make sure that people know about it. And I think everybody who listened today is going to have a, a new appreciation of what you're doing. Thank well, you for that. And of course, thank you for uh, the Andrew uh, uh, Jackson uh, and the Jackson Square exhibit. Yes. Well, thank you, Jean, and, and thank you to, uh, if for all of your listeners who hear this before Friday, um, the 15th, I hope to see you at uh, the program that we'll be having that evening uh, uh, with Bob and, and, um, uh, and showing the exhibition. And I hope everyone will come and see the Jackson Square installation while it's on view. Uh, it's really a nice, wonderful installation and um, a great way to engage with the French Quarter. And of course, besides that uh, evening, it will be open for the rest of the summer. So um, right. everybody, and I, I like to say, um, you know, rain or shine, and particularly on a rainy day, there's no better place to go than to a cultural facility, a museum. And so I encourage people, even if we're getting a little bit of a deluge uh, between now and, and uh, Friday and this weekend, uh, that you still come on out. Tuesdays to Sundays, uh, and right. admission is free. Thank you for uh, saying that. What, what are your hours generally? Uh, well, we're 9.30 to 4.30, um, Tuesdays through Sundays, and uh, admission is free, and we have a wonderful cafe in our courtyard where you can have lunch, as well as the shop, as we were talking about earlier, and all the, um, all the other accoutrements of the French Quarter. So we look forward to seeing everybody. Thank you so much. I really right. appreciated your time. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Right. Thank you. So... Uh... I'm here with the artist for Jackson Square uh, with some questions about what this archi sculpture, as he calls it, is all about. Um, first of all, I really want to understand what archi sculpture is. Um, the ex exhibition that is open now at the um, Historic New Orleans Collection is pretty monumental. It's a big piece and very beautifully exhibited, but um, why archi-sculpture? It's been my view for some time that architecture is more than just a container for human functions, that there is an art aspect, aspect to all architecture um, from its earliest forms in, with primitive societies to contemporary architecture. And that if, if one focuses on the art aspect of architecture, in this case, the sculptural aspects. Um, you can use examples of Frank Gehry, a good friend and collaborator on projects with me, uh, how he deals with architecture um, in that regard. His architecture is very sculptural. And um, the Jackson Square project here is an attempt to take the basic ge geometric volumes of the Jackson Square space and present them without the embellishment and the details associated with the finer uh, skin issues of, of the buildings and the landscape and the levee. 
Um, so it's a model that attempts to strip away um, the elements that uh, are not essential to this fabulous urban space, which was the center of the city of New Orleans. And even before the city of New Orleans, it was the center of Native American activities. Bobansha, which means in Choctaw language, uh, the multiple tongues or many tongues, suggesting that there were many different peoples and cultures that inhabited this space as it evolved over time. I think we tend to think about that um, mixture, that melange of people as having started with the Europeans, but um, clearly uh, from the Native American use of the, the term, you know, uh, land of many tongues, it is, it is something that's uh, continued for a long time. Why is place so important to people? Um, Place is home. Home is, is the acknowledgement that a particular place has importance or significance. Um, for different peoples, there have been different places around the planet, um, as well as for other species uh, that have occupied certain places and not others. So place is a important ecological factor in uh, all uh, life um, as we know it, uh, both human and animals and plants for that matter. Uh, uh, when we think of uh, the Sequoia National Forest, which is at the present time um, being uh, protected against major wildfire, wildfires. Sequoia was a place, that national forest was a place for these particular great trees that could not um, evolve or function in other places. So place is, is significant for all life, and that is uh, the quality of that space, the temperature, the availability, of nutrients, the availability of water uh, as necessary. Um, it's hard to think of uh, any population um, being um, uh, arbitrary about place. The place is important because it has uh, the qualities and the the uh, functions uh, necessary to survive and prosper. So in the case of Jackson Square, which obviously is adjacent to the river, at a, at a particular point on the river that um, drew a European uh, visitor, of course, Bienville, uh, and, and, and so it has some kind of geographical significance, but it has become a cultural center that attracts residents and visitors, tourists alike. Uh, so what is it about that particular geographical location that's so important? Um, it is approximately 100 miles above the Gulf of Mexico on the Mississippi River. Uh, the first uh, area 
that had, uh, if not high land, at least habitable land. Um, so it's important because, as I said earlier, it has a long history of uh, peoples occupying, even, even if only temporarily, in that place. And there's been a mixing of cultures and a mixing of peoples and a mixing, a mixing of, uh, of uh, more uh, contemporary life um, as we know it. So Jackson Square, as the center point, so to speak, of New Orleans initially, uh, is evolving itself. Uh, its functions have changed over time and will continue to change, uh, but it, w it will continue to be the center of the city in certain respects, even though it is no longer the place of government or the place of, of uh, uh, major spectacles as, uh, as it was during Spanish and French times. So let's pull the lens out a little bit because your involvement in archaeosculpture and also through your planning work, as you are both an artist and a planner, um, you were uh, you managed the the, um, the project of identifying the city's historic neighborhoods and also the body that kind of watches over and protects all those uh, uh, neighborhoods. So I guess what you're saying about Jackson Square really applies in a way to the whole city. Yes. Uh, we identified at the time in the early 70s, 73 neighborhoods. There are more now as a result of the development of New Orleans East, it's probably now 100 neighborhoods uh, identified by the people that reside in these places. Uh, these neighborhoods each have their own quality and have their own uh, place uh, for people who live there and, 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 and have an importance and uh, special character. Um, so over time, while the French Quarter may have been the initial European uh, city as such, it evolved into many neighborhoods, um, each one having a specific character that was identified in the study that we did in the early 70s and even to this day, people identify themselves with a particular part of the city. A neighborhood. That being a neighborhood of special interest and importance to them. Um, some folks are talking about trying to spread um, the uh, presentation of culture uh, throughout the city to other neighborhoods because there's a sense that the French Quarter is perhaps overburdened a bit with uh, with tourists. I mean, it's it, tourism is a wonderful thing for a city until it isn't, until it, it, it gets overwhelming. And so what do you think about um, the idea of trying to um, spread tourists out through attractions and, and events in other neighborhoods? Well, each of these 73 or 100 neighborhoods today has a special quality and a special population um, that is uh, associated with that neighborhood, whether it's a particular uh, 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 group of people who have uh, uh, identified a place like uh, one of these neighborhoods as being 
appropriate for artists or appropriate for musicians or appropriate for uh, other other functions uh, the, the 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 trick or the the issue really is how to present these various neighborhoods each one having a distinct character and a distinct population as being a possible place to visit for tourists and visitors of, of, of a variety of kinds. The word tourist uh, generally means someone who is traveling through on vacation or conference or some other, um, some other function. But I, I think that we have to separate or at least identify different tourist populations uh, who would have an interest in these various neighborhoods and their special qualities. Um, you you talk a lot about the the environmental threats and and uh, ocean rise and the recent article by Bob Marshall was um, once again uh, warning us that um, ocean rise is coming faster and higher than than we expected. Um, yet you're still here, so there's some people who are concerned about. First of all, we're having uh, a crime. Uh, increased not just here in New Orleans but throughout the country really in a sense throughout the world there's so many um, complicated global marketing issues going on and and with the wars in Ukraine and other places but um, but you're still here uh, despite the challenges why well when you've lived in a place as uh, you and I have for over 50 years it's difficult to extricate yourself or to um, uh, migrate to another place. Uh, um, our home here uh, is not something that we could uh, pick up and carry elsewhere. Certainly uh, isn't. <laughs> and so uh, there, is a, there is a gap between a recognition of the risks of staying and the uh, need at some point to migrate away from that danger or that risk. So you choose to face the risk, but I, I still want to understand why, uh, other than the difficulty of moving, you would stay there. Let's say, let's say it was a little bit easier or you, you know, were motivated. You, you could easily be so motivated to leave that you go, but you're not. So I still want to get What is it about the city of New Orleans that keeps you here? Um, the people, um, the cultures, the, uh, um, the nature of the physical environment um, is very um, uh, not only comfortable but very familiar and uh, uh, allows for um, new ways or novel ways of uh, living daily. Each day I wake up and think of other um, ideas I might have for architecture or for or uh, uh, things to write about this place as a better understanding of why we're here and the need to migrate at some point. This city will not be here forever. In fact, there's no forever uh, we're learning in uh, the whole Earth. question of the universe right. uh, forever is a, a very abstract term that doesn't apply to reality. Well, I, I, I'm 
think uh, uh, people have been very impressed by the exhibition at the historic New Orleans collection, which is um, uh, going to be open through the summer. Uh, I, I hope, I'm sure you hope people will get in there to see it. The admission is free. It's open Tuesdays through uh, Sundays, basically. You can go online, of course, historic New Orleans collection and see exactly the situation. But uh, I'm sure you're happy to be in, the, in that space. Why? I love it. I love it. Uh, it um, because Jackson Square historically is such a, uh, an important part of the origin of this place uh, that being in the uh, museum that is devoted to um, uh, better, better understanding and preserving and documenting and archiving the history of this place is an appropriate place for this Jackson Square um, uh, archisculpture. Uh, in addition, there have been comments people have made about this stuck right. to the wall by uh, many, many people. Hundreds. And uh, those comments uh, uh, relative to their own experience or elsewhere or thoughts about how to use this uh, experience uh, in their own community or some other place. So I assume that you invite people to come not only and see the ex exhibition, read the copy, but also put in their own thoughts. Correct. Thank Correct. you. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I love it myself. I think it's a beautiful exhibition, and thank you for doing it, and um, thank you, HNOC, for making it possible.